and welcome to the week four edition of the Lions Megapod. It is Matt Brown. It is Adam Candy. It is Steven Andrus, and we are coming to you with a decent little week, I think. Maybe some more plays in my account that I like than the last couple of weeks. Interesting Thursday night football game, boys. I do typically we are always looking forward, but I do think that there's something to look back on with this one very, very quickly because it was a division that was kind of up in flux in the offseason. You had everybody trying to make a case for everybody in that division. And there was a lot of a lot of talk, Adam, about the Packers. And hey, this is this is the team. This is the number. This is the bet. This is whatever it is. And now you see like Jordan Love. More bad than good so far this season. Offensive line, Bakhtiari goes to IR now. He's gone for the season. There's a, there's a, I think there's a lot to dislike, I think, about this Packers squad. And so now the question is, is it Lions or no one? Or do we honestly think that the Vikings, given their ridiculously horrible luck, can play their way back into this thing? I'm going to tell you, Matt, I'm not out on the Packers yet. Uh, I... I didn't love what I saw in the way they got pushed around last night, but I'm also looking at a team that was dealing with a cluster injury on a short week. And yet, despite the fact that they got shoved around for a full half, we're a two point conversion away from really being back in that game against a team that everyone is now racing to praise in the Detroit lions. So my answer with the division is that the lions are clearly in the driver's seat at this point. I believe that there is a path for the Packers back into this thing, but it is clearly as the number two, that Vikings defense for me is just not going to hold up enough for them to be able to get back into it. Steven, I think if you look at what we've seen from the Lions so far, obviously David Montgomery looks ridiculously good. You have a you have a Jared Goff that, yeah, I mean, he got picked whatever, but he's been pretty good since the beginning of last season. For this squad and I think people forget and you and I were on the side texting about this back and forth but I, I think people might even forget kind of, kind of out of sight out of mind deal that they're gonna they're gonna get Jameson Williams back in three weeks and so like if you like what you see now from this offense now you get back one of the more explosive receivers from the draft a couple of years ago I mean uh, I wanted to pump the brakes on the Lions I was the one who was preaching hey what are we doing here it's still Jared Goff and this defense etc cetera, etc cetera. but I might be eating my words I think that the offense is going to be good enough to outscore some teams in a lot of games and I think the defense is like just good enough to where they're gonna maybe win some games that that are pretty close I, I don't know I might be eating my words on the Lions Sure, but don't rule out the Bears yet in the uh, in the NFC North. <laughs> yes, that's I, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly. I'm sure your thoughts coming out of that <laughs> that game last night, but uh, pretty interesting. Of course, we'll we'll talk some more futures and stuff as we get a little bit further along here in the season because those odds are going to get pretty interesting. But we'll go ahead and and hop here into week number four. Atlanta Falcons and the Jacksonville Jaguars are PSA to you. This is over in uh, London, so you got to get up early, 9.30 Eastern, 6.30 Pacific, if you want to uh, play this one in the morning on Sunday. Three right now across the board on the Jags. This opened four and a half. That got bought quickly. They took the four, they took the three and a half, and now we have landed on three with the Jacksonville Jaguars. 43 is the prevailing total. Steven, we've seen a Jags team that was in it, with the Chiefs, then we see a Jags team that goes out and loses to the Texans and not only loses, but gets pushed around. And then you have the Falcons where I don't know if we know exactly have any idea what the Falcons are. Before I get to the handicap, just curious, uh, being an Eastern time zone guy, 
do you do you Pacific time zoners wake up for the London game before dawn? Are are you the diehards? I will this one because I I, I have a bet on it. So I, I have a bet on this. One. If they no bet, it's like catch the second half. I don't know. I don't know about you, Adam. Yeah, I mean my my responsibilities on Sundays mean that I'm up usually by about six thirty in the morning, regardless, because uh, I got to get ready for the show that I do on Sundays. So yes, I will be there. All right, all right. Well, uh, some tea and crumpets perhaps before dawn for you guys, and you know for this game with it now at three, Matt. I I need two and a half still for Jacksonville. I I have to come off my priors on Jacksonville at this point. Uh, Doug Peterson is making it abundantly clear that he did not take over play calling in the second half of that game. He called those reports false. So whether you believe him or not, it seems like he's not ready to just abandon ship on Press Taylor as the play caller. And let's not forget that Press Taylor was a sticking point on his way out of Philadelphia as well. He wanted Taylor to be his offensive coordinator in Philadelphia. GM Howie Roseman did not. And that was one of the list of reasons why he got fired on his way out of Philadelphia. So um, jury's still out for me as, as long as Press Taylor is the play caller in Jacksonville. I just don't get it. Uh, I think we've seen enough at this point, but Doug's sticking with him at least for this week. Uh, overall, I do think this is a good matchup on paper, at least for the Jaguars defense. We know that their deficiencies are in the passing game and on the back end, but they're facing Desmond Ritter, which, who is basically a zero at quarterback at this point. And again, at least on paper, they have one of the top five defenses in rush D by EPA success rate and DVOA small sample size, but at least encouraging when you're facing a, an offense that literally can only run the ball, it seems. So, um, but I'm still nervous to back this offense when they're stuck in mud, it seems, at this point. Last week should have been the get-right game against Houston, and they had one of the most undisciplined games of football I've seen in some time. So to go back and bet them in London to, to win the bet, they have to win by more than three points. I know you get push equity at three, but to win the bet, it's got to be more than three points. I'm not ready to make that leap on Jacksonville if it were to get to two and a half on Sunday, I would probably pull the trigger. But as we record here Friday afternoon, we're not there. Adam, we have a um, we have a Jags team that burned a whole lot of people last week, be it in their pick'em contest, be it in their survivor contest, be it whatever it may be. People were quick to snatch up those four and a half and fours and three and a half when it came to the Falcons. We've settled in at three. It's kind of sat here for the good majority of the last 24 hours. So I think this is about where we're going to be. In all of this, how do you see this one uh, going down early on Sunday morning? I'm not sure. There's a side I feel more strongly about this week than Jacksonville. Um, I I will okay. lay that three with Jacksonville. I think that's the right spot for them. Um, there's so much that lines up to this is the buy point on Jacksonville for me because, as Matt just said, everyone's out on them after that performance against Houston last week and I get it and I get all the problems that are there and I was the one last week who said hey I'm worried about the offensive line here right like that there there are problems here that might not get fixed till Cam Robinson gets back after this week but I'm going to point to a couple of things here that make me comfortable in this particular matchup against Atlanta one of them is real simple filter out the guys who've had only a couple of snaps this year and if you go quarterback versus quarterback Trevor Lawrence is PFF's number two graded quarterback Desmond Ritter is PFF's number 40 graded quarterback. He has been measurably worse than Zach Wilson thus far this year. 
Now, take the fact that the Jacksonville Jaguars, by success rate versus the run, are a top five defense in the league. And we know that's exactly what Atlanta has to be able to do in order to succeed. And the other defenses that are in that category, I want to just be clear on who it is that we're praising, right? Cleveland, who we all talk about as an all-world defense. New Orleans, who has been a sneaky, very good defense. And then you're talking about the New England Patriots and the Washington Commanders. Again, front seven, at least, with the Commanders that we respect a whole lot. And New England defense that has been one of the better units in the league thus far this year. You also take the fact that you're taking a essentially rookie quarterback in Desmond Ritter, putting him in this international game for the first time. There are a lot of variables here that, to me, point to this being a spot where we see Jacksonville be able to bounce back. I'm not saying they go out and win this game 27 to 10 or anything crazy like that, but I do see this as a spot where you get enough out of Trevor Lawrence to be able to support a defense that takes away what Atlanta wants to do. Yeah, when it got to three, I pulled the trigger on Jacksonville as well. As you mentioned, I mean, Trevor Lawrence kind of under the radar has been pretty good. Uh, you know, he's, as you mentioned, second to only Tua. He's actually second in big-time throws as well. Um, if you look, he's been very, very unlucky. His receivers lead the league in drop balls through three weeks as well. Nine different drops for this team. And if you guys remember, a couple of those have been of the variety where they hit the guy here, it bounces up in the air, and it has turned into picks as well right there's just been incredibly incredibly unlucky with all of that now they got to get better in the red zone that is really where they have struggled so far but I mean listen this Chiefs defense might be elite and so them struggling as much as they did in the red zone against the Chiefs defense I don't know if that's a big downgrade for me you know on, on this Jags team so yeah the pass rush has not been all of that gr not hasn't been all that great but as you mentioned Stephen I mean listen they 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 guard against the run as good as anybody, right? Three point one yards per carry so far to running backs on the season, and Desmond Ritter is still playing quarterback for for this Falcons team. And if you actually up that sample uh, that you were talking about there, Adam, to to guys that have actually played meaningful snaps, he's still thirty third out of thirty four for the people for the guys that have actually taken like a game's worth of snaps this year over at Pro Football Focus. He leads the league in turnover worthy plays. He's been sacked twelve times already and I, I think this is this is where the Jags some of this luck just doesn't kind of goes back their way and uh they, they get this done here against this Falcons team that all they want to do is run the ball they're not gonna be able to do it and so now Desmond Ritter is gonna have to actually pass to win and I don't think Desmond Ritter can pass to win so I am uh I'm with you on that one Adam love this play it's gonna be a contest play for me it's already in the account from a bet standpoint and if this did for whatever reason get get under the three I don't think it will but if it did get under the field goal I'd come back in and double dip for some more actually that's how confident I am in this one Pittsburgh Steelers and the Houston Texans the Steelers are sitting two and a half to three point favorites over the Texans um Texans uh pretty get a bunch of hype right CJ Stroud has looked pretty good for them and they were able to after that win last week I mean look everybody's talking about him and how good he's done and how they were able to pull it off with a kind of a skeleton squad they had a lot of starters that were out Adam and so what we've seen is a lot of Texans love I mean this thing coming off the key number getting down to two and a half the people love the Texans this week so Matt you're not going to find me rushing in to lay points 
on the road with Kenny Pickett and this offense, right? Uh, but I do think Houston's offensive love is worth a deeper dive to see how much of it has come in garbage time versus how much of it has been during meaningful snaps. Um, just pump the brakes a little bit on C.J. Stroud. Not a lot, just a little bit on C.J. Stroud. And he's going to be facing this week by far the best pass rush that he's seen so far. So I think the question is going to be, can Houston run the ball? Um, and we know that, you know, that that offensive line has been beaten up. We know that they have been able to get by despite the fact that they have been beaten up on the other side of this, the Pittsburgh Steelers are the strangest two and one that, that you could possibly see uh, thus far. Right. I mean, you watch them through a couple of weeks and you have no idea how they were able to pull it out against Cleveland with getting a couple of defensive touchdowns and then just a weird game against what I think might be a bottom five bad Raiders team uh, overall. So, you know, I'm not really sure how it's gotten to this point with Pittsburgh. I'm going to pass on this thing entirely. Um, if I went anywhere, I, I would look it under, but that would be probably me being a little bit biased against Kenny Pickett and company, a team that was actually able to put up enough points last week to do its part on the team total side. Yeah, if we take a look at this, Stephen, I mean, we're what we've got in this Texan squad is what I thought was going to be the complete opposite, basically. I thought they were going to really feature Damian Pierce. I thought they would kind of slow, like ease C.J. Stroud into everything, and that has been the complete opposite of what they've done. I mean, they are way up there when it comes to pass rate over expectation. You've got, this, you've got a guy that is sitting here with a – against the Pittsburgh defense as a rookie with limited weapons, who's got a 235 and a half passing prop this week. I mean, I think this Texans team, it's just a misread for me because uh, I just, I was going under assumptions, right? Like I was assuming how they were going to go with limited options at wide receiver with a rookie, with a rookie quarterback with outside of Tunsil, a questionable offensive line. And that I was just wrong. That's just not been the case. They've allowed, they've cut him loose. They've let him go out there and throw the ball a ton. And honestly, He's made some pretty good decisions and he's looked pretty good. And like, I think that if I don't have a play in my account, but the passing attempts here at, at, at 32 and a half, I, I, I don't see, I don't think they're going to change. They have really no reason to change. They're not going to become a run heavy team all of a sudden. And certainly probably not against this, uh, this Steelers team anyway. So my look is more of a prop here on the overpassing attempts for Stroud. Cause I think they're probably just going to keep on doing what they've been doing. I like that angle, and I will say as confident as you guys are about the Jags bouncing back from that game against Houston last week and buying low on them is as confident as I am in selling high on Houston this week because the cluster injuries at the offensive line didn't hurt them last week, but this is the front that could cause a lot of problems for C.J. Stroud. When Houston has the ball – Laramie Tunsil and Josh Jones, a guard in their left tackle, both DMP all week. They're not going to play on top of six other offensive line on IR, as we know at this point. They are outside the top 20 in adjusted sack yards. They're 25th in adjusted line yards. That O-line is doing nothing for them. And now here comes Pittsburgh with the number two pressure rate, despite blitzing at a rate outside the top 10. So I, I think Houston's box score last week was bolstered by, as I mentioned, Jags just being completely undisciplined frankly playing like idiots last week the yards per play was inflated by some blown coverages by jacksonville blocked field goal kick return for a touchdown like literally everything that could go wrong for jacksonville did 
in that game. Matt, you mentioned the drop passes by Jacksonville as well. So I thought this was quite the overreaction from the look ahead line, from the reopen at around Pittsburgh minus four and a half down to three. If you, if you're watching on YouTube and a second ago, you saw me looking off camera for a while. It's because we have legal betting now here in Kentucky and there was one, two and a half left on Pittsburgh and I fired on it and I double dipped some more. I bet it Pittsburgh minus three, it hit minus two and a half and I bet a little bit more on that as well. So I, I don't understand this line move. I understand certainly the concerns with the Pittsburgh offense, but is the Houston defense the unit to cause issues with that? And I don't think it is. This is a unit that is outside the top 20 in DVOA and EPA defensively. They only have an average pass rush. So at this point, you're getting some some push equity if you're betting Houston at three, but you're getting basically the worst of the number, and you're essentially betting on them to win the game at this point. Like this isn't a situation where you're you're backing Houston as a as a punchy dog to cover a spread. Like now we're at the point where you're basically having to bet them to win the game almost. So I can't get there with Houston yet, even though Matt, you and I were among the most bullish, bullish on the Texans coming into the year that they could be kind of a spunky underdog. I just think it's gone a little too far this week. Yeah. Adam, to put a bow on this one, I actually weirdly am going to probably pay attention to this game and watch this game because these are two teams that I have, that I still need to evaluate, right? Like, I mean, I think that I'm very confused as to what we've seen by the Steelers and is Pickett actually going to look like an NFL quarterback at some point this season. And then also on the Texans, like, again, I, I could just be wrong. I thought the Texans would be a bottom three team in the NFL this year. I could just be wrong. CJ Stroud could be league average. And if he's league average, if you have league average quarterback play, because there's so much poor quarterback play, if you have league average quarterback play, you're automatically not a bottom three team in the NFL. And so I actually weirdly am going to pay attention to this one because these are two teams that I think I still have a, a decent amount of evaluation to do. Do you know who the number 13 receiver in all of football is by PFF grade thus far this year? Probably Tank Nico Del. Collins. Oh, it's Nico. Nico, Nico Collins. Tank. And it was Tank Dell who stepped up last week. Mm. That's the part where I'm interested with Houston is to say, not just CJ Stroud, Maybe these weapons are a little better than we thought they were going mm -hmm. to be, much the same as the Rams with Nakua and Atwell, where we didn't expect much out of these secondary pieces. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, we've got guys who can separate enough that C.J. Stroud isn't going to have to be uh, worry about that offensive line as much. If they separate early, gives him a lot more of an ability to get the ball to these guys. So I'm with you, Matt. I'm, I'm just watching this one, but maybe they are not as bad as we thought. Yeah, I think that there's something there's something to be there's something to learn in this one. I think, regardless, anyway, that you you kind of go about it. So um, don't don't just don't completely neglect this one, even if you don't have a, a bet on it. Los Angeles Rams and the Indianapolis Colts. This thing has no real consensus. You can find a one in favor of the Rams. You can find a one in favor of the Colts. There's a whole bunch of pickums out there as well. Totals are sitting anywhere 45 and a half to 46. Steven, what we've seen is a, um, a Colts team, two different versions, right? We got the Anthony Richardson version. We got the Gardner Minshew version. We just got the deal that Anthony Richardson has cleared concussion protocol. So he will be your starter. For the Colts this week up against this Ram squad that has looked spunky, right? I mean, they've at times have have looked at least halfway competent, at least on the offensive side of the ball. We get the word out of Indy that they are not going to change the game plan just because Anthony Richardson got the concussion. 
Do we believe that? We'll see. So that leads us back to what we were looking at heading into the season. What's his rushing prop? What's his anytime touchdown prop? What, how many care, you know, what's his over under on carries like all these different things, because if they're not going to change the game plan, all those things are probably not priced appropriately, especially with him coming out of concussion. He's still the goal line back, right? Like this is a Cam Newton situation. So I think moving forward, anything plus money on an Anthony Richardson Mm -hmm. touchdown is probably a, a pretty decent wager there. Um, overall for the side on this game, I see a bit of a trenches mismatch, which led me to bet the Colts here. And I'd just say, get the best of the number. We're, you know, basically hovering around a pick them. You can maybe get a one point either side here, depending on where you're shopping. But in terms of the trenches, when the Rams have the ball, we're in a situation now where they're down their left tackle, the backup left tackle last week against the Bengals, Zach Thomas got beat like a drum. So now they're going to kick their guard, Joe Noteboom out. To, the, to tackle this week mm-hmm. to try and be a little bit better. Problem is he's bottom five in pass blocking grade by PFF among players with at least 100 snaps this year as well. And if you go back to last year, he was not a good pass blocker either. Overall, the Rams are 29th along the offensive line in adjusted line yards, 27th in pass block win rate. And you flip to the other side of the line of scrimmage now, the Colts D-line, I was correct in that they did cause issues with a banged up Ravens offensive line last week. And overall, even before that bang, that ran, I'm sorry, that Ravens offensive line was banged up. They still were pretty strong. Top five in in adjusted sack rate, top 10 in pass rush win rate on the year. I don't like that. looks like DeForest Buckner is going to miss this week. That's a big deal, but I think they have enough against the weak offensive line here with the Rams. When Indy has the ball, I think they can run it down their throat. I really do. The Rams are bottom five in rush D EPA and DVOA. This has been a multi-year issue with Sean McVay defenses. Even when you have Aaron Donald on the field, the Colts have a number six pass block and run block win rate offensive line. And the biggest concern I had with Quentin Nelson missing Wednesday and Thursday at practice, he returned to practice today. So it looks like we have a fully intact offensive line for the Colts. And last note here, rough spot for the Rams. Cross-country, back-to-back weeks, on a short week off Monday Night Football. So, yeah, I like the Colts here to kind of just continue and 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 be on the upswing. And I think Steichen has been a really good play caller so far. Adam, if the Colts do pull this out, I think this would be a prime opportunity to come in and then take an in-season under on the Colts because this is a prime spot for them to to get a win and then they're probably not going to be a ton of those moving forward. I think that this Colt squad is going to be feisty and maybe not necessarily uh, actually winning a bunch of games. We're to the point now, Adam Candy. Puka Nakua, his receiving prop, six and a half receptions and 71 and a half yards. Puka Nakua, seven catches. He, he hit the over, he says seven catches in the game. That is where we are at in three weeks with this guy. That, but I mean, look, I'm on Ross St. Brown. Numbers. Yes, it like, is. It is. Last, last night was last night was six and a half. Yeah. For, for Amon Ross St. Brown. Last night was six and a half for Amon Ross St. Brown. So wow. that is where we are at with, with Puka Nakua in, in all of this. Uh, what do you see here in Rams and Colts? Pass for me in terms of uh, side or total uh, too much to try to figure out in this game. There are no props up on Anthony Richardson right now, other than anytime touchdown. The one I'm seeing at DraftKings is minus 105, which is probably appropriately priced to be that close to even money number. Um, 
we got him coming off concussion. We don't know what that means. We've got the Rams in the travel spot that Steven mentioned. I don't love that either. Um, I don't have a lot to get into with this game in particular. I don't really like this game a whole lot from a betting perspective, and so I will skip it. Yeah, shop around. There's a plus 110 out there anytime touchdown for Anthony Richardson. There is a 7-1 to one on two-plus touchdowns for Anthony Richardson, and I don't think that is out of the range of outcomes Not at uh, all. In, this, in this game. So uh, if you just want to get a juicy one in there that, you know, again, doesn't have to hit very often for you to be profitable, 7-1 to one on him to score two touchdowns in this game. Minnesota Vikings and the Carolina Panthers. Boys, this is sitting now four, four and a half in favor of the Vikings on the road. 46 and a half is your total. Adam, we'll kick things off with you. I'll go ahead and let you know uh, I'm in on the Vikings this week. I'll give my reasons in a bit. I'm curious as to your thoughts on this one. Uh, This is the second strongest feeling I have this week is on the Minnesota Vikings. I wish I could have. Uh, gotten this on Sunday at two and a half. It is now out to four. And being that it is out to four, I would feel quite comfortable making this an alt and pushing it out to six, six and a half, probably six and a half uh, on Minnesota because, again, much the same as Jacksonville, I think we've now reached the point where I don't love where the market is valuing Minnesota when let's look at the things that went wrong here for the Vikings. They lose at home by three to the Buccaneers in a game in which all the turnovers went against them. Yeah. They then outgained them by 137 yards or something in that game too. Yeah. Right. And then we see them lose to an Eagles team on a short week in which we knew that the Eagles were going to outclass them. They were never completely out of that game. And also again, the turnovers went against them. And last week, by any measure, they should have won that game uh, against the Chargers. I mean, if there's any team that can outchargers the Chargers, it's the Vikings, and the Vikings <laughs> managed to outchargers the Chargers. And so you see a game in which they added to what is a league-leading turnover differential of minus seven. Everything has gone against them that went for them last year. This is exactly what happened to make them 11-0 and in the opposite last year. And in those games now, they're 0-2. And when you look at this Carolina defense and you see the injuries and how beaten up they are, especially in key areas like having a starting safety out of the game, this to me feels like a game where Minnesota can truly eat. Now, Alt's up to six and a half. If you don't like the price, if you don't want to deal with the spread, the Minnesota team total right now is 25 and a half. Guys, against a Chargers defense that is comparable to what we're going to get out of Carolina This week, they put up 24, easily should have put up more than that. This team should be regularly producing 27, 30, 33, 34 points. So I like Minnesota in a lot of different ways this week. A lot of people were talking about the Bryce Young versus Andy Dalton situation and whether that is an upgrade, downgrade, whatever. Well, the market doesn't believe it's much anything, right? The, The market doesn't believe that Bryce Young coming back means a whole lot to the Carolina Panthers, their receivers can't separate. There's a whole lot of things where I look at this Minnesota defense as bad as it is and say, I think Carolina might be one of the least equipped teams in the league to take advantage of it. Yeah, I am. I am actually 
pretty happy that Bryce Young is back. And listen, I'm actually a Bryce Young believer. I think he's going to be fine in the league, but it does look like this adjustment period is a little bit. You know, I, by the way, it's just you know this is the caveat that I like to bring up, and I'll probably bring it up three or four more different times. It's like Joe Burrow, and Justin Herbert ruined us and our opinions of what rookie quarterbacks should be able to do in their rookie season, and it's like we just assume everyone's going to step in and look like hall of famers. And it's like, that's just not the case with rookie quarterbacks more times than not. Like we just, it's so recent that Burrow and Herbert just uh, destroyed the league as rookies. And we just think that that's the way it's supposed to go. And that is not the way that it's supposed to go. And I think he'll eventually get there, but it's not going to be anytime soon. If you look Adam, you mentioned it's, it's the seven. Yeah. It's, it's negative seven in the turnover differential, but the fact that they've lost seven fumbles, like, I mean, like the, it's like so absurd, right? It's like, it's not Kirk Cousins throwing picks all over the place. It's literally like fumbles and then they're not falling on the fumbles. Like, it's just incredibly, incredibly unlucky. There's regression and then there's whatever in the hell is happening to the Vikings right now through all this. The offense is good. It's fifth overall by pro football focus. It's ninth in success rate. It's 13th in EPA per play. It's not the offense that's the problem at all. It's the turnovers and the turnover, where the turnovers are happening because there are six of them are in the red zone. Like that's, that's giving, that's handing away points like that. It's not saying you're necessarily going to score a touchdown, but you're likely to kick a field goal. So you, those are just points off the board in the game for this team. And so I don't love the way they play defense. They're blitz 66% of all downs so far this year, which is the most in the league by 25%. Like the next closest team is twenty five percent lower. And how often are they getting home, Matt? Yeah, twenty eight percent pressure rate. That's not good. It's twenty third in the league. Yeah, and and to the point Matt just made about the the success rate and EPA on offense. Look at the drop back success rate and drop back EPA, and you will see that the Vikings are top twelve team in drop back EPA outside of garbage time. I should say drop back success rate. The EPA does not follow because they've been hurt so badly by the turnovers, right? Like that's where you look and see, okay, I can make a case to say this offense really is elite once they get these turnovers, which have been fluky out. Yeah. And, and to your point, Steven, yeah, I mean, they, they're only getting a 28% pressure rate. That's 23rd in the league, despite blitzing 66% of the time, it's only gotten them six sacks on the season as well. So again, Flores is going to play how Flores plays. He's not going to change it. So it is what it is. You just kind of know what you're getting into whenever you get into a Vikings game. But against Bryce Young, against this offense, all the stuff that Adam said about these off. I mean, look, these receivers just can't like, there's not any good, right? They're just not a lot of talent out there. And so the one thing you and I, Steven, we were doing the previews before the season. We were like, you know, hey, look, the one thing we can at least count on is the Panthers having a good defense. They've actually not been good this year. They've actually been pretty trash. If you look at all the advanced stats, they're bottom 10, 12 in every single one of them. So I, I just, this is, this is where the Vikings get on the board. This is where they can even afford one of these fluky turnovers and still win the game as opposed to end up finding a way to lose it like them a lot. I do. I happen to be on the air on Sundays as these lines are hitting. And so I've been getting a lot of early lines recently. I mean, I got it at three, but like in context for people coming in today, I would still bet it at four. Like I, I would still bet it at four. So it doesn't matter to me that I have it at three. If I had no bet, I would still bet it at four. I just think that the Vikings at this point are exponentially better on the offensive side of the ball than the Panthers. And on the defensive side, it might be a coin toss. It might be a push because this Panthers D has not shown up this year. 
and for those that might be interested in getting the best of the number here, because they do move quickly early in the week, our Discord members at thelines.com did get minus two and a half at the start of this week. And go to the lines.com homepage, top right-hand corner, hit the Discord button, and you can be one of those members that got amazing closing line value on this game. I, I'm going to be watching this game closely for Bryce Young because with that blitz rate for Minnesota, I want to see if he takes a step and learns here because with how little pressure they're getting off of that blitz rate, guys are running one-on-one or wide open on the back end of that quite often. But Bryce Young is second to only Zach Wilson and how long he's held the ball on each drop back this year. That's not going to work against the blitz rate as high as this this week. So let's see if he learns from that. Let's see if he gets the ball out more quickly this week in very beatable situations when that blitz rate is not getting as getting home as much as it is. But um, but yeah, get in that discord and get the best of the number moving forward, everybody. Tampa Bay Bucks and the New Orleans Saints. This is three and a half painted across the board in favor of the Saints. 39 and a half to 40 is your total. So we know we are going to be getting Jameis Winston this week for the Saints. And Steven, I don't know if that's a good thing, bad thing, or neutral here for the Saints team. We know Jameis is pretty um pretty willy-nilly with the ball sometimes but hey maybe that works in the favor of this team that does at, at least as of right now has a healthy Olave has a healthy Michael Thomas is getting Alvin Kamara back this week like all of that I mean maybe maybe Jameis's style is a little bit better for what they're going to be rolling out right now the Bucks came back down to earth last week we knew this was going to happen with this team it just was a matter of time they were kind of smoking mirrors as it was but the hook is a big thing. What do you think about the Saints three and a half at home over the Bucks? The hook is generally a big thing, that's for sure. But it happens to be the exact point where I don't want to play either side in this game. There's just too many unknowns for me. Um, Jameis Winston, combine that with Alvin Kamara coming back. What is that going to look like? Um, the Bucks do have some injuries on the back end, but do we trust Jameis Winston to win by more than a field goal? Generally speaking, I don't. And then for the Bucks offense, they've looked stuck in mud despite beating the Vikings with turnover luck and beating the Bears with organizational ineptitude. Uh, so just facing another strong D in New Orleans after how they looked against the Philadelphia defense doesn't exactly inspire confidence for me. So it's a stay away. Adam, we have the Bucks that strangely ran the ball just a ton on early downs last week and then when asked about it this week said they were going to continue to do that to set up the pass which I'm like you guys know there's analytics against that right like that doesn't that's not how it works like that's not what goes on but they're they're doubling down on it and say that they're going to continue to do that that's not going to work against the Saints and so I mean I can't believe I would say more than a field goal with Jameis Winston and the Saints, but like I, I, I don't have a play in this game. But if I did, I think I'd probably play the Saints because if the Bucks are telling the truth and they're just going to go against everything we know to be true in 2023 in the NFL when it comes to football, then how in the hell could you back them? So let me run down that injury list that Stephen was making reference to because I think it's important to understand where the problems are here. Uh, Carlton Davis is on the injury report, but did practice. Jamel Dean did not practice. You're also looking at Kalaja Kansi and Vita Vea not practicing for this Tampa Bay team. Mm -hmm. 
those are major defensive problems, right? You're talking about your number one run stuffer and one of your top two corners who are DNPs as of one of the key days of the week that we watch these things. So I think the way that I would want to go about this, I don't know what to do with Jameis. Nobody knows what to do with Jameis. He could be 40 touchdown Jameis. He could be 40 interception Jameis. We have no idea. But I do think 17 and a half is a very aggressive team total for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. When you look at what the Saints defense has allowed, uh, you can really go back into last year if you want. But this year, they have allowed 15, 17, and 18 to the Packers in a game in which the Packers had to go for two to get really aggressive and try to come back into the game. And I think you could look at all of those teams and say, I don't know that the Bucks' offense is measurably better mm-hmm. than any of those teams, right? Don't And don't be fooled by the Bucks against the Bears either as a defensive touchdown thrown in to the end of that score. So I would be looking to the under, which right now is actually the less juice side. I, I'm seeing it at minus 107 on under 17 and a half points. That's where I would be on Tampa. Washington Commanders and the Philadelphia Eagles in your teaser special of the week. The Eagles are eight and a half point home favorites over the Commanders. 43 and a half is your total. Guys, I said the Commanders were not for real. I said that the Bills were going to go beat up on a bad team. It's exactly what happened. Sam Howell has proven to be either one of two things is going on here and like we'll we'll figure it out in the next few games. Either he is holding onto the ball exponentially too long or this offensive line is failing him at every given moment it's probably a combination of both when it comes down to it but it's not going to get any easier against the eagles this week that is for sure i am honestly looking towards well this number's now gotten bet down so i actually have an under in my account on 45 i there must have been a group release because it was still 45 this morning so this sitting 43 and a half right now I would still lean under in all of this. Um, Adam, when we look at the way the Eagles play, when they get up, you look at these like whenever they have a six-point or more advantage, they play incredibly slow. They run the ball at a 58% clip. Like, I mean, they just they just protect leads. They do what they do well. They bully you. They beat you up. They kill your soul. They steal your will. I expect them to be up in this game. I expect them to be up a ton. I like the under. I also like the Eagles as a teaser leg. I make this game Philly 8, so for me, it's pretty much right on where it should be. I can't argue with you taking a teaser like I really have a, a very difficult time seeing Washington winning this game. Um, I have heard some people that I respect advocating for taking 8.5 when it's there with Washington, but it's really very system when it comes to that low total division game. It's not necessarily advocating for the Washington Commanders. I said last week that I was starting to develop an affinity for this Washington team, I'm not going to tell you I'm completely out on them right now because I think we might still have a little too much baked in with Buffalo from week one and what we saw against the Jets that is downgrading them to the point where we don't say, hey, this Buffalo team really is elite, right? They might really be the team that we've been waiting for them to be. I'm not 100% sold on that yet. We're going to find out a lot this week. But uh, Caesar leg, I absolutely couldn't endorse. I don't have anything on other than that. Yeah, Stephen. It's it's also we're getting a, the, a healthy version of this Eagles team. Like they're they're at full strength as well, which I think is pretty interesting for them. Now Washington is going to get Logan Thomas back. I'm just reading that as it comes across the Twitter machine here. So that is at least a bump for this offense. If you believe that he can 
get the ball from Sam Howell. I don't know if you actually believe that that's the case. Uh, what say you in this one? Well, the first game of the season, I came on and said that, you know, the sacks that Sam Howell took in week one were more on him than the offensive line. Well, now that we have a little bit more of a sample size, it is on the offensive line because Sam Howell right now is kind of top half in the league in not holding the ball very long. And still he's on pace to take more than 100 sacks at this point. It's brutal. So I don't think Philadelphia's D-line is what's going to cure that. You know, just to put some numbers on the greater point you were making, Matt, number two in pressure rate with the number 27 blitz rate. And if you flip to the other side here, the Philly rush game is still unbelievably elite after what we saw last year. To this point in the season, 52.4% success rate running the ball is number one in the league. And it's better than all but five teams passing success rate. That's that's unbelievable stuff. And the Washington rush D after being really good statistically last year is now taking a step back through the first few weeks of the season, more like league average at this point, Matt. So yes, absolutely. Slam dunk teaser leg at this point. I'm with Adam. Not, I'm not completely out on Washington, but kind of like what we saw with the giants last year and being a little bit punchy against non top 10 teams, you know, Washington just can't really compete with the elite teams in the NFL. It seems and we can talk about them in future weeks when they're playing competition. That's a little bit closer to their level. Miami dolphins and the Buffalo bills in the, Oh my God, I can't believe they left this in the early window game of the week. Like what in the hell? Like, you I mean, dude, move this into a spot where more people can see it. We've got a billion D early games yet again. And then, uh, only three afternoon games, but so is the way the NFL schedules things. Sitting right now, an expensive two and a half or a cheap three in favor of the Bills at home over the Dolphins. 53 and a half is your prevailing total. Steven, I don't have a single bet in my account for this one. I'm going to sit down. This one's going to be the one that's on the main TV. This is going to be the one that's got the sound on. This is the one I'm watching. I'm super, super excited for this game. But the range of outcomes, in my opinion, now, I, there are a lot of people who disagree with me this week. A lot of people are dead set on one side or the other in this, and they think that it's going to go a certain way. I think the range of outcomes is very wide because anytime there's a strength on strength matchup, I don't really exactly know where to go. I mean, the, the Miami Dolphins pass offense versus the Bills pass defense is strength on strength. And so who's going to win your guess is as good as mine the dolphins do get waddle back this week so um that is something to to throw in there but i can't wait to watch this one not going to put it in the account i think this game is an opinion game i don't think there's any particular edge when you're looking at the spread in this one um i think the offense for the bills is a lot closer to what we've seen the first two weeks than what we saw in week one. I agree with that, but also I am taking the Buffalo defensive metrics with a big grain of salt at this point because they face Zach Wilson, Jimmy Garoppolo and Sam Howell. So I don't know if the bills defense is actually elite at this point with a defense that is posting the, the number one, defensive line and adjusted sack rate and the number four pressure rate despite blitzing at the number 30 rate in the league so at the same time i'm not sure this is the matchup that they can take advantage of with those stats because the miami offensive line is number two in adjusted sack rate and two is getting rid of the ball faster than any quarterback in the nfl at 2.34 seconds per drop back so that might neutral itself out for me I just kind of want to look at this holistically. 
what did Buffalo do in the offseason to get better this year? And I guess you can argue maybe Josh Allen's healthier from what we saw at the end of last year, but at least in terms of talent on the roster and coaching, I don't see really any big difference in Buffalo versus last year. I think they're a team that's going to beat up on the teams at the bottom of the league and then have to play really competitive games against the top five teams in the NFL. And I don't see any reason to come off of my bullishness of Miami at this point when everybody's healthy. So this is another, you know, discord special. It's not going to help anybody now, but the, this, the discord members and I bet Miami plus three and a half on the look ahead in this game, because as long as we could get out of that game without injuries, we thought Miami plus three and a half with what we've seen with their offense was bonkers at this point. And maybe we're wrong, but that's a great number as we stand right now, as we get closer to kickoff. So um, no reason to try and middle the three here with what I think about Buffalo. I think Miami's for real. It's just an opinion. There's no market edge here in my opinion. So we'll see what happens. Adam, I wanted to come on here and give a giant opinion on why Devon Achan's um, number, whatever prop number was going to be way too high and that we could come in and play the under on that. They have not posted yet, so they're not up. And so because of that, that take can't be given right now. I will say this. Take a look at what A-Chan's number is listed at whenever it actually does get posted after his monster, monster game last week. It might be skewed a little bit too high when it all comes down to it. The Bills have a pretty good run defense, and I imagine that the Dolphins, if they're going to have success, it's probably going to be trying to take advantage of, of all those skill players through the air. So, again, that's kind of maybe the only angle here to try to get in on all of that. But, again, nothing posted as we as we go at it right now. What do you look at in this one? Well, I have to just give a slight pushback on what Steven put out there in terms of Miami because they're not healthy. Jalen Phillips has been ruled out of this game. Tron Armstead's going to be a game-time decision. Uh, those are a couple of really important pieces, and I know they were able to get around it in week one with Teron Armstead being out, but I also feel like Buffalo is a team that's going to challenge that a little bit more than what we saw out of the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, right now... You know that I was the one who came on here in week one and said, I'm really heavy on Miami. I'm trying to talk myself into a little bit of patience with Miami. I could see taking Miami as a teaser leg here and getting eight and a half points because when we talk about the ability to cover a teaser, you want a team that can chase from behind, right? And there isn't a team in the NFL that is more equipped to chase from behind than this Miami side is, right? Um, I don't necessarily love either side of this spread. I do think that with this thing out to, well, I, mean, I don't know what the latest number was. It 54 or back to 53 and a half? Here? 53 and a half is the prevailing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been happier at 54 to think about an under, uh, which I know has been sacrilege to talk about that. But 24-17 Miami versus the New England Patriots. And it's the one good defense that we've seen them play, right? The Chargers are abysmally bad and... The Denver Broncos, I'm pretty sure half of them were on the plane back at halftime uh, from Miami last week. So, you know, I, I know that everything about what we've seen out of Miami is fantastic, and I'm not going to call this a sell-high spot on them, but I cannot advocate for anything more than a teaser when it comes to this game uh, for the Miami Dolphins. 
Listen, the other reason I I think an under is is at least decent if this thing specifically the thing ticks back up, you know, because people come in, they get excited for this game on Sunday morning and this thing ticks back up is I'm not convinced that Buffalo doesn't come out and try to run the ball on 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 Miami. Like they 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 seem very willing to use Cook like he's been really efficient so far. He's been by me. Fine and by like, me if you want to take the ball out of Josh Allen's hands. By all means, go right ahead. Well, and, I, and, let me, yeah, Matt, uh, to, to, to what Steven just says, the other thing that I forgot to mention before, Steven said, what did Buffalo do to get better? Well, they fixed the in- interior offensive line. Last year, they were the 28th PFF run-blocking team. This year, they're middle of the pack so far at 15th. I do think, Matt, that they are more equipped to run the ball if they need to run the ball, and they're not taking the ball out of Josh Allen's hands. They're taking the ball out of Tua's hands. Hmm. So yeah, two, I, two final notes for me, Matt. Yeah. I, let's see what Vic Fangio brings to this matchup. That's new from last year. I want to see what he brings. Maybe he saved a little bit, disguised a little bit, maybe try and trick Josh Allen a little bit. And let's also not forget that Miami ran in that second meeting in Buffalo last year when they actually were healthy. Raheem Mostert ran for eight yards per carry against Buffalo as well. So both teams might be able to run the ball really well here. Yeah, Josh Allen's rushing yards sitting at 35 and a half right now. It won't, in my opinion, it won't be for lack of carries. Now, it might be for lack of efficiency, but it, but it won't be for lack of carries. Like, I, I think he ends up with, I think he ends up with eight to 10 carries in this game. And, you know, again, it, it depends on the efficiency that he has with it or whatever. But I, I think that's at least an interesting look as well for, uh, for Josh Allen in this one. But, man, guys, I can't wait for this game. Looking forward to it so, so, so much. This are, these are two teams legitimately that are, that are going to be there at the end when we're having discussions about everything. Cincinnati Bengals and the Tennessee Titans, two and a half in favor of Cincinnati on the road. 41 is your total across the board. We are getting injury news as we are sitting here. Traylon Burks ruled out for the Titans in this one. So if you didn't like that, and Joe Burrow gets in two full practices in a row for Cincinnati. So uh, still less than a field goal. You would have thought a healthy burrow minus a Burks would have sent this thing on at least to three on the other side of three but I don't think um Adam I think in the, at the in the grand scheme of things I don't think people are still convinced that Joe Burrow's healthy I am not convinced that Joe Burrow's healthy I think Joe Burrow is just out there kind of gutting through these performances I don't think we're going to see the true version of Joe Burrow maybe at all this year but is an 80 percent Joe Burrow good enough to cover a two and a half point spread against the Titans, who, as we know, the biggest pass funnel defense in the entire NFL, you could just throw me. We could all throw for 180 yards on this. I, uh, we, we could we could do that. What say you? So last week I had two games where I told you guys that I was off market on the game, right? And it was one the Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, I was wrong on that, and I lost on the teaser. Uh, the other game that I was significantly off on was the Cleveland Browns, and I was not at all wrong about that. And who did the Cleveland Browns play uh, last week? So this week, I am again off market, but only on one particular game, and it is again against the Tennessee Titans, and I'm not going to miss it this time. Uh, I make this game Cincinnati five and a half, and I know that's probably really aggressive considering what Joe Burrow's situation is. But I think every week that we see Joe Burrow out there, we have an offense with Zach Taylor that has the opportunity to adjust to the fact that Joe Burrow is in the situation that he is in. Now, I'll give you this caveat on it. 
Joe Mixon is still pounding the ball into the line and not accomplishing a whole lot when he does. So if they insist on doing that against a Tennessee defense that is pretty much inviting you to pass the football, they want you to pass the football. They do not want to allow you to run. Then, you know, good on you for betting the Tennessee Titans. But I will be laying the two and a half with Cincinnati. I think this is an overreaction to the Burrow injury. I think it's an overreaction to the Titans beating the Chargers, and I'm perfectly comfortable at less than a field goal with Cincinnati. And Adam, I think to kind of further the point that you were making, I think we kind of saw it in real time last week, right? Like, I think that they figured out what to do with the passing game in the middle of the game last week, right? Where it was just kind of like, okay, this other stuff we're doing is not working. Let's try and do this, and let's do that. And, and, And it worked from that point on. And I think now we come into a game in which they're just going to go with what was working as opposed to trying to square peg round hole the situation with Burrow and the calf and all the different stuff like that. Steven, two and a half in favor of Cincinnati on the road against the Titans. What say you? I only heard the tail end of that with a connection issue, but I think we're all aligned here that this line is a little bonkers that the original line before the season started at four and a half for Cincinnati and what Tennessee has shown us to this point in the season Joe Burrow's healthy. I know he's banged up, but he got through Monday night healthy. Back-to-back full participants. This line shouldn't be less than three, in my opinion. You know, no other injury concerns for Cincinnati as well. So I, I don't know why this line is still sitting under three. I would be still very surprised if it's not at least three come kickoff on Sunday. So I don't know what the hell I'm missing here, but... um I don't get it, man. I mean, I know the Cincinnati offense looks suspect against the Rams. They only crossed the 30 one time in that game. They got out of the game fine, and the Tennessee defense is not very good. And then the Tennessee offensive line, I'm sure you guys already talked about. It's terrible. And I know the Bengals defense has looked average for most of the season, but we saw what they can do against a compromised offensive line and what they did to the Rams' offensive line on Monday night. So, yeah, I'm with you. This was one of the easiest bets I made this week, Cincinnati minus two. The the other thing, I think, is if you do believe in Cincinnati in this game, I think there's a correlated play that you can make, which is there is a 70-and-a-half rushing prop on Derrick Henry out there, and Derrick Henry's losing a lot of snaps, to, and, and if this game gets down, his ass is on the sideline. Like, like he, does, he is not out there to catch passes at all, right? And so – if he's if he's losing rushing snaps as it is anyway, and then if this game does get to where they're in a trailing state, then he's not even going to be on the field, much less getting rush attempts in this game. There's a again, there's a seventy and a half where, to me, I think we're we're not seeing a completely washed running back, but we've been talking about this for the last few years, and I think it's now finally coming to fruition, where he can't just be Superman behind a, a a shoddy offensive line anymore, right? Like, it's it's it didn't matter before because he was still young and had all the tread on the tires and all that stuff. But, like, now it just – you your mortality and age and stuff just finally does catch up with you. And, and Adam, I just look at this and I see a guy that is going to need the bigger – a little bit bigger lanes than he needed a couple of years ago. And he's going to need – a game state which favors him a little bit better than he did a couple of years ago. And I don't know if this is the the spot or the opportunity. So I would take what you just said, Matt. And we don't talk a lot about parlays, same game parlays, et yeah. cetera. But if you wanted to try to play that tail, right? You're playing mm-hmm. that tail on Derrick Henry under in your game script saying that the Cincinnati Bengals are going to win this comfortably. 
you could push Cincinnati out to six and a half, right? right. And really get like really lean into this for a same game parlay where you're saying, okay, Cincinnati to win by more than a touch by a t- by uh, just about a touchdown. And then Derrick Henry under as well. Baltimore Ravens at the Cleveland Browns. The screen is lighting up like a Christmas tree as we are talking about this one. It is now down to one at some books out there. It is a pick at one of the books as well. Coming off of this Browns, uh, Browns side, 39, 39 and a half is your total. I have a Browns minus two ticket. It is going to end up being a bad number because it came out that Deshaun Watson is questionable for this game and has been limited throwing the ball in practice all week because he has a sore right shoulder. Adam, this is not good if your quarterback cannot throw the football forward. So my bet, I don't love at all. I used to love it. I don't love it near as much anymore, which is really unfortunate in everything because this Browns defense, and it still might be good enough, right? But they've just been absolutely incredible so far under Jim Schwartz. Number one DVOA, number two pro football focus, number one EPA per play allowed, number one success rate allowed, all of that. So, I mean... There's a ton to love on that side of it, but as we know, the quarterback position is still the most important position in all of sports, and so if your guy can't throw it, that seems to be a problem. I mean, do you think there's any therapy that they could <laughs> attempt to do to to help him? I, I, I've, I've heard of things, but... You, you know, probably not afforded to him, actually. Like, no, no, because he's, probably, no, because he's a sexual predator. So probably yeah, not uh, afforded so, yeah. to him, actually. Yeah, like, yeah they, they just, should. They're just like rubbing tussing on it. Like, they're just like, he's like, are yeah. you sure? I can like just rub, rub. Uh, yeah. Icy hot. Just that's you, yeah. you get icy hot. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Couldn't couldn't uh, couldn't happen to a better human being. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's obviously going to change any handicap I would have on this. But where I was leaning in the first place would have been under and. You know, that that's probably where I would stick if it is hopefully Dorian Thompson Robinson, because I would actually like to see the local kid get uh, get some runs, see what he can do, because he looked great in the preseason. Uh, kid came into UCLA with a whole lot of pedigree and then needed all five, six, seven, however many years he was there uh, <laughs> to be able to kind of get things together. And then he looked pretty good for for the Browns uh, before the regular season. So in the end. Uh, good news also for Baltimore along the offensive line where at least some potentially encouraging news on Linderbaum and Stanley for them to get healthy there. Doesn't seem like Gus Edwards uh, is going to have issues with the concussion moving forward here. So I, that all that said, I'll probably end up passing on this game overall with the uncertainty on Deshaun Watson. But the only way I would look at it is to say this is one of those divisional slugfest games with a very, very, very good defense and actually a fairly good Ravens defense and a good defensive coordinator as well that could make it something like 17-13 by the time we're done. Mary Kay Cabot, one of the very best beat writers out there, she is very entrenched with the Browns, says, talk to Deshaun Watson in the locker room. He didn't want to elaborate, but says he's okay and expects to face the Ravens that's coming through about 40 minutes ago from her. So this is again, just a beat. We're not saying that's what's going to happen. We're just giving you what is coming through from uh, one of the better beat reporters that is out there. Steven, if we look, I mean, we've talked about these defenses and what they've been able to do. And, and, and this Browns team is absolutely phenomenal so far. They have the single best performances each week so far, each in one, two and three. 
They're getting the third highest pressure rate in the league, despite only blitzing 16 at the 16th highest rate. And if you want to make a case for them, no matter what's going on with his shoulder with Deshaun Watson, it's the fact that Lamar has been awful against pressure so far this year. Yes, it is a small sample size. We're only three games in, but he is 33rd out of 34 qualifying quarterbacks in passer rating when pressured. He is dead last in EPA per play under pressure so far this year. And he is without Odell and he is without Rashad Bateman in this game as well. So, I mean, I don't know how you get much better at it whenever you don't have two of your key weapons to go along with all of that. So maybe, maybe the defense will be enough in this game for the Browns. Possibly. Um, I will also just mention that Baltimore has got a pretty good defense too, and they've been a little banged up on top of it. So despite those injuries, they are top five by DVOA defense. They are number six by EPA. They've been strong against the run as well. If Cleveland has to go a little more run heavy here with Watson's arm, I bet Baltimore plus three earlier this week, kind of just buying low on them off of what I thought was a fairly unlucky performance against the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, and a very low total game, divisional matchup. They know each other really well. So really just taking a key number in a rock fight, to be honest with you. I'm not going to sit here and brag about my CLV because I had no idea Deshaun Watson was going to have this type of issue with his shoulder. Yeah, nobody but, did, right? I mean, that just kind of yeah. came out of nowhere. Like, 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 it really came did. out of nowhere, yeah. So I, I'm sitting sitting at a decent number here, and but at this point with where the line is, I think I kind of just stay away because you could have some volatility here with how good these two defenses are. Yeah, I, I'm. I do say I will say this on the defensive side of the ball for the Ravens: Ajabo, Owe, Humphrey, all DNPs the last two days. That's never any good for them. Too. Kyle Hamilton was at least upgraded to limited yesterday, so there's that. But um, yeah, it's just it looks pretty bleak for them. But again, if you're playing a quarterback that can't throw the ball, that really does kind of. Yeah, certainly not as promising as the Ravens offensive injury report yeah, this week. Yeah, I was I mean, let me tell you, I was I was really liking that bet and then it was it was I don't love it near as much anymore. So, we'll see how this all plays out again. 90 minutes before game time is when official injury reports have to be in. You'll probably get a leak before then from one of the writers as to what's going to be going on with Deshaun Watson in this game. Bet basketball, baseball, or golf with a bonus bet of up to $1,050 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code PLAYBONUS50 and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. The Lions podcast listeners can get the BetMGM app today and use promo code PLAYBONUS50 to claim your exclusive welcome bonus of up to $1,050 after your first bet. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. This is a new customer offer, 21 years or older to wager. Arizona, Colorado, Washington, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. U.S. promotional offers not available in Nevada, New York, or Ontario. Please gamble responsibly. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Kansas, and Nevada, call 1-800-522-4700. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050. In Iowa, call 800 
1-800-BETS-OFF and call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Denver Broncos, Chicago Bears, we got to talk about it because it's a game that's happening. It's three, three and a half in favor of the Broncos on the road over the Bears. 46, 46 and a half is your total. Steven, I, I have no interest in this. It should be Broncos. It, like the Broncos offense has actually moved the ball all right. It's just the defense that's been terrible. Chicago's been terrible everywhere. It should be the Broncos. I probably should be betting now. I don't know. Maybe I'll play them in a contest or something, but I just can't do it. I don't want to watch the game. I don't want to feel obligated to check in on what's going on. So total pass for me. Two just very, very, very awful teams right now. I bet Denver minus three because you know yeah, me. Like I, I said, I it's, it should be the right side. No, I mean, listen, it should be the right side. Like it should. Right. Be. Yeah. But I would never bet Denver minus three and a half uh, to the casual better. I know that sounds crazy, but with how bad the Denver defense has been, I just don't have any interest in betting on a team to win by more than a field goal or I lose my bet three. At least I get some push equity. That's fine. And, and for me, I'm sitting in a situation where I'm 3-0 and this year against the spread, betting against the Chicago Bears. And why would I jump off now when I'm getting a spread of three? So as long as I can bet against the biggest dumpster fire in the NFL, and I'm basically just betting on a team to win, then, then I'm good with that. And to your point with the Denver offense, it is clearly the best and only functional unit in this game, to be quite honest. 12th in EPA, 11th in pass EPA and success rate top half by DVOA overall for Russell Wilson and company and the Chicago offense and defense. I don't need to get into numbers. They're just awful. They're awful in every which way possible for a football team right now. So at least while I'm getting a reasonable number to bet against the bears, I'm going to keep doing it until they show me that they can actually look like a professional football team. Yeah. Adam, I think people would be pretty surprised that, I mean, they can't run the ball at all, but Denver's pass offense actually graded out ninth through three games by pro football focus. I think people would be like, no, no, they actually graded out ninth. They've just obviously terrible turnovers for them, struggles in the red zone, et cetera, et cetera. But they've been able to move the ball between the 20s with all of that. Again, it, it should be the Broncos. I just don't know if I can get there with an actual bet. Maybe it's a contest play for me. I just, uh, I, I, I can't get there. Well, they actually are 14th in rush EPA. They're doing it with each piece of the offense uh, outside of garbage time. At least that's how I have my filters on from 20% to 80% mm -hmm. win probability. And so if you don't like Denver, and I don't like Denver, if you don't like Chicago, and I don't like Chicago, but you know both defenses are trash, then I'm perfectly okay playing over 46. Even mm -hmm. though this has moved from 44 and a half yeah. up to 46, I think that's the way you have to look at this because – the Denver Broncos, okay. Game number one against the Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders are bad, bad, right? But then Washington comes in, and after scoring three points in the first about 15, 20 minutes of that game, end up with 35, and then you give up 70 in Miami. If Chicago's offense is ever going to get right, this is going to be the week when it gets right. And I think what you have to keep in mind at least what's keeping me away from betting Denver in this game is that think back to last year when Chicago was playing this bad and they went to New England in a spot that I thought was the ultimate spot for New England on Monday Night Football 
and they somehow in the two weeks they had to prepare for that game said, hey, you know what we forgot? Justin Fields can run. And at any point, Luke Getze might just go back to the fact that Mm -hmm. Justin Fields can run. And if Justin Fields begins to run again, then I think the Chicago offense has the ability to be more functional and potentially be plucky on the spread. But that just would go even farther to wanting to play an over in this game. Russell Wilson's pass prop is 239 and a half. I actually have him at 257-ish in there somewhere. That's not a huge edge, but again, if we think this offense can actually look like a real offense against, you know, and move the ball and actually be more efficient, because again, like you said, they hadn't been terrible. If we think they can be more efficient against a terrible, terrible defense, maybe this would be a weird over opportunity on Russell Wilson. Again, 240 might be a little too short for him in this one, but again, have to hold your butt on that one. Like just, it's still, you're still, you're betting Russell Wilson. Yeah. I just I just want you guys to brace yourselves. The Bears still have four primetime games for the rest of the year. I'm so sorry. I think we yeah, we get a Thursday night one. Is it next week? Yeah. Next week. Yeah. Next week yeah. Ch- Chase Young and Montez Sweat are going to wreck Justin Fields next week. <laughs> there it is. I can't wait to tune into that one, that's for sure. Las Vegas Raiders and the Los Angeles Chargers. This is now out to five and a half at most places in favor of the Chargers. 49, 48 and a half all the way to 49 and a half. So be sure and shop around if you're playing the total. Um, Steven, if we take a look at this one, this is a Chargers team that has actually been very efficient on offense so far. And a Raiders team that has been fairly, um, fairly inefficient. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, to say the least, and then offense has been, eh, you know, middle of the pack-ish, but nothing to write home about. The big question here, Jimmy Garoppolo, he's back out of practice. Is he going to be the first skill position guy to be able to get cleared within a week in these new concussion protocols, which we've not seen so far this year? That's kind of the big question. And if he doesn't go, will it be Brian Hoyer or Aiden O'Connell? All of these things are stuff that we are debating here. If you guys know the answer for this 100%, let me know. Don't you have to get in a full practice, a full participation before the game to clear the protocol at this point? Anybody know that? I'm pretty sure that's the case. Well, the I was listening to a couple of podcasts this week that were kind of digging into this idea a bit and saying that Jimmy Garoppolo does have the ability, like it is within the range of what the concussion protocol allows that he could play this week. Okay. Yeah, so as we record right now, Friday afternoon, he is still in the concussion protocol. That's the latest report from about an hour before we recorded. So I guess it's a wait and see. For me, I kind of look at this two different ways. Um, If he's not playing, it's clear that it's going to be Brian Hoyer at least to start the game. And in that case, if I can get to the book. Not quite yet. Not quite yet. It's not clear that it's Brian Hoyer. No, no, no. Don't, Don't assume that yet. Okay, is Josh McDaniels, McDaniels was cagey on that. About that? McDaniels was very cagey on who would start if it's not uh, if it's not Jimmy G. Yeah. So, okay. Thank you. For not that I'm saying there's that. a huge difference between Brian Hoyer. Well, and there, there might be. We know Brian Hoyer sucks. So at least there's the possibility that maybe Aiden O'Connell's decent, right? And young and athletic. If Brian Hoyer's the starter, and I can get less than a touchdown in this game, if I can get you know six and a half or better, I'm in on the Chargers, despite how terrible. The Chargers defense has been. They are 28th and 29th in EPA and success rate defense. They have only the 19th pressure rate despite blitzing at a top 10 rate. 
They also lost Mike Williams for the year. And what's that going to look like first week without him? We don't know. But if Brian Hoyer's the quarterback, whatever, man, I'm in. He shouldn't, he shouldn't be on an NFL field anymore at this point. If it's not, and the number is five and a half, I know you guys say that's a dead number, but when you have a coach who's willing to kick a field goal down eight, the back door is always open. So, you know, just cover, baby, as Al Davis always said. But I mean, in all seriousness, the, the defense is so bad for the Chargers that if it is Jimmy Garoppolo, then I am kind of interested at that point. But it's all very much dependent on the quarterback in my mind in this game. Adam, I have a Chargers four ticket. I it opened at four on Sunday when I was on air. I, I just played it based off of, you know, again, the if you look at the offense of the Chargers, they've been incredibly, incredibly efficient. I mean, Herbert's second to only Tua in pass EPA this season. I understand the loss of Mike Williams is big, but there's been a lot of missing Mike Williams and missing uh, Keenan Allen over the last couple of years. So Josh Palmer has a ton of experience. Josh Palmer has been in there a lot. And then maybe Quentin Johnston can actually step up and live up to his first round billing here with all of this. Austin Eckler did get in a couple of limited practices. And then you see that Max Crosby downgraded from limited to DNP yesterday. We'll see what that ends up coming through for, for him today. But, you know, more turmoil as we're coming on air Chandler Jones arrested early Friday morning um, in, in Las Vegas for various things. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I backing the chargers and Brandon Staley, who's fake sharp, like it, it, more than a field goal seems like a fool's errand for me, but I'll, let me be that fool this week. I'm, I'm that fool this week, Adam. What do you think? <laughs> you can be that fool. It's not gonna be me. And, and I'm still smarting <laughs> from that chargers game in Tennessee a couple of weeks ago where I, I was in the right on every side of that handicap and somehow ended up losing that game with the Chargers. Um, I told you the Raiders are bad, and I don't really think that there's much of a difference between Jimmy Garoppolo and Brian Hoyer and Aiden O'Connell. And that might sound like sacrilege, guys, but Jimmy Garoppolo has not been an effective addition to this offense this year. He took away the one thing that they did well, which was throwing the ball deep. And now they don't have that ability either. So there's no explosiveness to this offense at all. They scored 10 legitimate points against Denver. Seven of those were gifted to them on the onside kick with the short field. They scored 10 points, seven of which came on the script at the beginning of the game against the Buffalo Bills. And they scored, oh God, do I have to say 18 points? I guess I have to say 18 points because of the Josh McDaniels field goal uh, on fourth and four from the eight against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, I know the Chargers defense is terrible, but I don't believe that there's any quarterback on the roster for the Raiders who's going to be able to make the difference of that. And that sounds like I'm saying lay the points with the Chargers, right? No, I, I can't. I, I There's too much wrong with this defense right now for me to feel at all confident. The one thing I feel good about is that Keenan Allen is going to eat in this game. Uh, you can find it either at plus money over seven and a half. You can find it with a little bit more juice. You have to pay at six and a half. The Raiders have a grand total of zero effective cornerbacks. They have a grand total of zero effective safeties. They have nobody who's going to be able to cover Keenan Allen. I'm not saying he goes for 16 catches like he did last week, but I feel very confident in saying that plus money to get to eight against this Raiders secondary is going to be within the realm of possibility because Justin Herbert threw the ball 47 times last week against the bad Vikings secondary. Completed 40 of those, by the way. And um, it, this is, I know everything kind of has to go right for this to work out, but 
if you want to at least earmark this this game, guys, it's only one of the few afternoon games. This could be a pretty decent live betting opportunity. If the Raiders were to get the ball first and go down and kick a field goal, and then you could get a live line on the Chargers at at, at three or under three or something like that, then it, it could be a decent live betting opportunity. Again, all these things have to happen, right? The Raiders have to get the ball first. They have to go down. They have to score. But um, could, could be an opportunity to come in on the Chargers at a, at a better yeah. number anyway. Yeah, and McDan- look, what you've seen this year is McDaniels is best on the script, right? Like, those first 15 with McDaniels have been the effective plays. It's later that's trouble, so that's perfect in terms of live betting. All right, guys, Patriots and the Cowboys. It is sitting 6-6.5 six, six in favor of the Cowboys at home over the Patriots. 43.5 to 44 is your total. Adam, as we take a look at this, the Cowboys go the biggest favorite of the week last week and lose outright to the Cardinals. And then we see the Patriots squeak out a victory 15 to 10 over the Jets. Uh, Patriots have not looked impressive. Cowboys certainly looked really bad last week. What do you make of that? What do you make of these teams? I don't have a bet in the account. I feel like the Cowboys are the side because it's a little bit of an overreaction. I've had this at seven. I had it at a full touchdown. But I'm wondering if maybe I was a little too high on the Cowboys. I was wondering if maybe I was a little too excited about all of these playmakers and getting Zeke out of town so that you had Pollard and maybe you'd run a little bit more efficiently. So I'm going to pump the brakes a little bit. I'm just going to watch this one. What what, what are you going to do with it? All right. I feel like this is going to become a bit on this podcast with the way I feel about New England. I'm higher on New England than the market. I was higher on New England last week. I came on here last week and told you that my favorite bet of the week was New England laying the points. Uh, It got a little bit squirrely there with the way that the weather was and the way they ended up having to play the game. But you said New England hasn't been impressive. I would argue that New England has been very impressive thus far in this young season. Uh, Take away the early turnover by Mac Jones. They played Philadelphia to a draw in that game for the most part. They held the Miami Dolphins to 24 and found themselves in the game late. And last week, I get it. It was only a 15-10 final against the Jets, but that game was played in a monsoon. And as soon as they got the lead, it was all running for Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick basically said, I know that Zach Wilson cannot beat me. And the only thing I have to do is not turn the ball over with Mac Jones. And we came on here, Matt and I both said last week with Dallas, we have no idea how good they are really had no concept of who they were and we had a lot of doubt I think put into our minds about Arizona but you say that it's an overreaction it's really only a move of half a point to a point depending on where you're looking I don't know that the market is at a point where it believes really in this New England team yet I make the game Dallas four this is not the most confident that I could ever be in saying take New England and take the points seven would feel better than six and a half of course because of the fact that Micah Parsons is still Micah Parsons and he could be the kind of game wrecking factor that puts Mac Jones in the same situation he was week one against the Philadelphia Eagles, right? Like that is well within the band of outcomes that Dallas defense is that much of a disruptor that it causes problems here. But again, that's a Dallas defense that had Trayvon Diggs and this Dallas defense does not have one of the number one corners in the league so strong strong lean to new england plus the points here for me new england patriots 26th in the short season in pass block grade as uh as uh, steven as adam alluded to that could come in a problem with micah parsons and what he's been able to do so far but yeah yeah 
Can I push on that with the fact that Trent yep. Brown missed the, the first couple of weeks? And with Trent Brown back in, Cole Strange back in, they have looked a lot better. Yeah, I, I just, it, it's, I don't think anyone can block Micah Parsons. I don't really care who's, like, who's, who's really in there. I, I think that he is Fair. almost the key to this game. Weirdly enough, which it should not be the case, but I honestly think like, how much disruption he can do will be where we're at. Where we're at when this thing's all said and done. At that, at seven, I would be interested maybe in the Patriots six and a half, six, not so much. Uh, Stephen, this feels like a game you've bet. I don't know why. This just like feels like a game you've bet. Perhaps I'm maturing because I, I have not. I oh, okay. This is just this is like a gross game where we don't know a whole lot, and like it's just like yeah, I got to bet on this one. Like this is this is it. <laughs> I would say that I don't think I would bet on Dallas ever uh, at the, at these numbers because Dallas's offense and in particular their passing game has not impressed me at this point, and it wasn't just the Arizona game. They have yet to have a game in terms of yards per play that would have been above average for the overall season average a year ago. And if you go to the other side, Micah Parsons, pass rush, I, I get that. They're also dead last in rushing defense success rate. So down to down, they are not stopping the run better than anybody in the NFL. They are horrible. You don't think Bill Belichick's going to see that and try and turn this into a rock fight and keep it close with Ramondre Stevenson and now, to Adam's point, a healthy offensive line? Mm-hmm. Overall, now a top 10 offensive line and adjusted sack rate sack rate if you're looking at the pass blocking as well here so i at least see some matchups where new england can muck this up a little bit and keep it close like they have some of the other opponents they've had um i'm also not going to bet new england because i feel like i need the full seven to feel confident about it just my opinion so i'm going to kind of sit back and watch here and um you know dallas i agree with you i they are clearly the number three team in the NFC to me at this point behind Philadelphia and San Francisco. And I need to see something from their, their passing offense, because that's also another issue with them in this game, because Christian Gonzalez, the outstanding rookie corner for new England can just cover CD lamb theoretically here. And then what have we seen from the other Dallas pass catchers, Adam? Well, I want to, Steven, I'm going to put this question back to you and I'll put it back to both of you guys. And again, you guys know I've been soft on Detroit for from the beginning of the season to here. But right now, what would you guys make Detroit-Dallas on a neutral? Mm. After what yeah. we saw on Thursday night football? Probably less I mean, than I, a field goal. Yeah, I, I don't think I'd make Dallas three at this point. Yeah, I mean, my, my power ratings put that at, at Dallas two and a half on a neutral. So all I'm trying to say is, as a cl- yeah. number three, yes, I think they're number three. But I don't know that they're number three with a bullet here. At the no, no, soft three. What we saw last week. Yeah. Yep. Soft, soft, soft three for sure. Yeah. Um, with, with that one. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of confused by what, with all of that. And again, the market agrees with you guys. It was, at, it was at seven. It was at six and a half. Now sixes are starting to show out there as well. So the market agrees with you guys that the Patriots should be the side here in this one. Arizona Cardinals, San Francisco 49ers. There's no handicap to this game. I don't care what you saw last week by the Cardinals. They're going to get destroyed. They're going to get bludgeoned in this game. The 49ers are 14-point home favorites. It is 43.5 to 44 is your total. The 49ers can name their score. I it's It is a name-your-score game, Adam. I don't care what anybody says. There, there are going to be people out there who take this at 14 on Sunday, and I'm going to get a 13, and I'm going to play the 49ers. I don't have anything in my account right now, but you get me off the two touchdowns, 
and they're they're going to take it, and then I'm going to take the 13 with the 49ers, and then when we look up, and this game is 31 to 31 to six or whatever it's going to be, 31 to nine, then I will just say, see, this sometimes we don't have to overthink these things. All right, so if you're reacting to Arizona's win against Dallas last week, listen to what we just said. We're starting to wonder whether there's some softness in Dallas there, and we said that for the first two weeks, we don't know what either of those wins against the Giants or Jets really mean, what sort of a hill of beans they amount to in the end. So that would mean that you would look at Arizona's first three weeks against Washington, against the Giants, and against Dallas and say they really haven't played a good team yet and the one thing we all agree on in this podcast is that san francisco is an elite team so i don't want to have to bet on it i don't want anything to do with it if you made me pick a side i would say lay it with san francisco steven what say you yeah i'm with you guys um i don't don't need to get into the numbers here it's a really good team against you know i don't think they're the worst team like we all thought coming into the year but i think they'll think they're they're bottom five at least give them a little bit of credit on that they certainly look punchy and well coached um, but if you do a little exercise here, Dallas was minus 13 at Arizona, and now San Francisco is only minus 14 at home versus Arizona with extra rest coming off Thursday night football. That doesn't really make sense to me. Both of these teams played the Giants. Closing lines implied that the Giants were seven points better than Arizona on neutral. San Francisco, eight and a half points better than the Giants on a neutral. So theoretically, that's 15 and a half points better than Arizona on neutral for San Francisco. And the game's in San Francisco, and we're staring at 14. So don't often make the case for a double-digit, two-touchdown favorite to be valuable. But, Matt, as I sit here, one of the books is down to 13.5 minus 115. So I think you might get your wish here. And I'd put a small bet on Niners minus 14. And if it goes the direction we think, I might put a little bit more on it. No, the the, the 14s are going to go away because people are going to wake up on Sunday morning, and they're going to go – 14 points is too much. I don't care. Like that's just 14 points is too much. I don't care. I don't think in this case that it is, by the way, we do a whole separate survivor podcast and whatever, but if, if you're still in survivor one good on you, uh, because uh, at 75, 75% of everybody is gone. But um, if you're still in, if the pool is small at this point, just play the 49ers. Don't get cute. Like just, just there. This is the slam dunk of the week. Play them, move on. Don't tr- don't play any of these other teams, and uh, you can deal with that later. If you're in one of the ones that still has thousands of people, yes, there's a discussion to be had, but uh, don't get cute with the 49ers this week. Kansas City Chiefs and the New York Jets. This is eight and a half or nine. We can still get a teaser leg in at some of the books out there on the Chiefs. The Jets have looked very bad, and they continue to get told that their quarterback is going to be the quarterback, and that poor guy keeps getting rolled out week after week. And I almost am starting to feel sorry for Zach Wilson. The reports are coming out that he bought the whole team ice cream yesterday to, like, because he – and I'm not even, that's not, like, me trying to be funny. L- literally. That's real? The, he, yeah, no, that's real. He bought oh the whole God. he bought the whole team ice cream yesterday, basically because like I know you all hate me, so like here's ice cream, like to try to get you know make you feel better about me. Forty one and a half is the total, Stephen. You know, again, just Chiefs are going to win. It's just one of those things of like, do you feel comfortable laying the big number? Do you what do you honestly think that the backdoor type situation could be in a game like this? How many? What's the over under, and how many times we're going to see Taylor Swift throughout the throughout the course of the game? I mean, maybe that's what we should be really handicapping here more is, you know, the Taylor Swift factor in all this thing. 
I want credit that I was the first to start like using song lyrics and and copy. All right, I, I want credit for that, Adam. You, you weren't even close to the first. Oh come on, I was closer to the first than all these these hacks on social media. That's for damn sure. <laughs> hey, hey, we don't need any bad blood. I'm out here. I'm, I'm, this, <laughs> I'm quitting. <laughs> Can one of you explain to me why? Uh, why Jets money is coming in to move this from nine and a half to eight and a half. Like I get low total. Generally, that's a lot of points for a low total, but also Zach Wilson is the worst quarterback on the planet facing a really good defense and the team hates him and they've quit on him and they're yelling on the sidelines and everybody's upset. And the coach has done a complete 180 going from throwing him under the bus last year to now defending him at the podium, which everybody sees through. Teaser le- teaser leg of the century, gentlemen, and yeah. very easy partner with the Eagles this week. I just went, look, there's no weather concerns um, or anything like that to where maybe it could like muck the game up or something. Like, so teaser, le- teaser leg of the century. Like I, I, I under nothing, nothing's ever a guarantee, but like, no. tell me how no. the Chiefs don't win by three. Well, yeah, I was going to say, Adam, tell, I was going to say, make the case, Adam, for playing against an Eagles uh, Chiefs teaser this week. What's the case against that? The case against an Eagles Chiefs teaser is that we really have not seen Philadelphia look totally itself quite yet. And again, I'm not trying to tell you that this is what you, what you shouldn't do, right? Sure. I'm just telling you this is the case. Um, and on the other side of this, I don't know who the Jets defense is, but I can tell you that Kansas City's offense against non-Chicago Bears teams has been kind of meh thus far. Now, one of those weeks had no Travis Kelsey. We understand that. But the 17 against Jacksonville probably could have been 24 if they had really gone down at the end of the game. But let me talk to you about the Jets' defense because we're all taking for granted that the Jets' defense is is elite. So they are fifth by pro football focus grade. They are 17th by DVOA. They are 29th by non-garbage time EPA per play. Wow. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Like they're they're elite against the run. And by the by EPA per play numbers, they're really bad against the pass thus far. And, you know, I don't need to tell you who's on the other side of the field for the Kansas City Chiefs. So I I could make you the case the Kansas City's offense has not really hummed outside of the Bears. I could make you the case that Philadelphia is not playing its best ball, but uh when Sunday gets here, if you have a Chiefs Eagles teaser in your account you should feel pretty good about it uh, yeah I mean Stephen I, I I actually am kind of the guy who thinks the Chiefs offense is going to look better and better and better each week right because it is what would make you, would, you think that you would assume that Kelsey's going to be getting more healthy you would assume that Mahomes has like started to figure out who he actually likes and can trust and whatever so is it Rasheed Rice who, by the way, got a bunch of targets? I mean, like, you know, like, I think he's starting to figure out things as well with all of this. The scary part about this is this is the best offensive line that he's had since he's been there. And so now he has all the time in the world. He's not having to make Houdini plays left and right because he actually has time to do whatever he wants to, which is also a scary thing in all this. I just don't know where the, I, and the, and the defense is good. Like, I just don't know where the Jets score enough could the Chiefs could the Chiefs cover eight and a half or nine by only scoring seventeen points in this game? And I think the answer is yes. Like I honestly think that the answer is yes. We so 
I just don't know the case, I guess, for the Jets on the other side, other than, like you said, just the traditional fundamental thinking, which is nine points, 41 and a half. You take the nine points in a 41 and a half. Well, and Zach Wilson's holding the ball longer than any quarterback in the league. Like, well, uh, you know, if you right, play it out the way that you just said, Matt, right, then the Jets team total, which is still abysmally low, is 15 and a half, right? Right. Do you believe the Jets are getting to 15 and a half points against a good defense? So if you if you're feeling like you have to have an alternate way into this, mm -hmm. then just bet straight against Zach Wilson by taking under 15 and a half. That's true. That's a very good angle. That's a very good angle. And here's the other thing, too. They've already said that Trevor Simeon is going to be inactive this week. So there's not even like some wild card at quarterback unless you think Tim Boyle's yeah. a thing, which we don't. Yes, we're not getting like the hero comes in in the third quarter and puts on the cape and all of the things like that. Like that's not what we're going to be getting in this one. Unfortunately, unfortunately that is our Sunday night football game. And we're going to have to endure, um, you know, what I consider to be a pretty sloppy kind of ugly ish win by the, by the chiefs. I don't think the jets can do anything there. That being said, we will close out the podcast by saying, yes, Taylor Swift is good for football and Taylor Swift is good for the NFL and anything that puts more eyeballs on a league that I make money from is good for me. And so I'll be selfish and I don't care. Put out more Taylor Swift videos and tweets and show her 37 times a game. I don't care. It's better for me and anything is better for me. I like Adam, do you have a, do you have an opinion that's contrary to what I just said? No, I'm just not going to let you close the podcast on that. Cause I don't get to talk to everybody about Monday night football. Seattle is going to wreck the New York Giants. And I know that is an unpopular Ooh. opinion and that is an anti-market opinion. But let me tell you something here right now. The Giants interior offensive line is an absolute train wreck. Seattle had 36 pressures against Carolina last week. Daniel Jones is going to have just as much time as he has had in the first few weeks, which is to say he is going to snap the ball and have his knee on the ground half a second later. So I don't have to believe much in Seattle to tell you that. The Seattle Seahawks are starting to look a little bit more like the team we thought they were going to look like at the beginning of the season, and there's way too much respect baked into the market for what we saw last year out of the New York Giants, which even I, as a Giants fan, admitted to everyone, they had a lot of fluky things go their way. They're having none of those things go their way, and don't be fooled by the fact that Andrew Thomas is coming back because Andrew Thomas plays left tackle, and all the pressure has come up the middle. 20 of the pressures for Seattle last week were up the middle where everything has gone wrong for the Giants thus far. And uh, and and just to add to that, Andrew Thomas DNP today uh, out there. So oh well, uh, yeah, even yeah. better. I yeah, yeah. guess I don't have anything to do on Monday night now. <laughs> yeah, Andrew Thomas DNP today at practice. So as we know, a Friday downgrade typically pretty bad. Uh, for yeah, typically pretty bad when it comes to to all of that. Stephen, Stephen. I, I, listen, I know you're a Swifty. I, I, I know you got people can't see the full whatever you because the posters are you're facing the, all the posters. They're not behind you. I know like no, you're facing they're all the posters. above my bed over here. That's but that's I mean, why listen, I can't see them. Listen, this is good for Odd all for of your us. Wife. We should be embracing this. This is good for all of us. We should be embracing this. I know everyone wants to make snarky comments about all this. Listen, more eyeballs, more fans, more people involved. This is good for everybody. I don't know why why people are losing their minds about this. Don't blame me, Adam. I, I I was ready to talk about Monday Night Football. So 
it was there's nothing That's wrong okay. with it. I, I've t- I've said everything I need to say. I can I can let Matt uh, once again celebrate things that are good for him, and we can yes. all have a lovely Sunday and a terrible Monday. <laughs> Listen, whether, what whether you like it or whether you like it or not, you better just ask yourself. You ready for it? Ah, uh, there you go. I was going I was waiting for you to work something in there, and I, I'm glad you did. One. And a half right now in favor of the Seahawks. If you did want to go ahead and get that, Adam says uh, the Giants are going to get wrecked in this game. So definitely go do that. Guys, everything we do is absolutely free. So your support can be just by hitting the subscribe button on this thing. If you're listening to us on the audio side, also go in, subscribe, give us a little thumbs up and, and a five-star review and all of that stuff. And a little comment even if we've helped you make even a dollar this NFL season. We do appreciate all of those reviews. It does help us climb the charts and more people can find this very podcast as well. So do appreciate that from you guys. Upper right-hand corner at thelines.com is the Discord. Steven's been said a few different times on this podcast. There is commentary going on all day long and certainly leading right up to kickoff. So anything you don't get from us here, you can get over there. That also absolutely free. For Steven, for Adam, I'm Matt. Good luck on all your week four games.